What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert. This is the Biker Bar Podcast live stream. Once again, I might as well call this season three. I took an impromptu break, which is kind of funny because on the last episode, I started out saying I was going to take a break, but I just need to tell everybody this time. And then I didn't tell anybody shit. And here we are like a month later, episode 120. Kyle Warner today. I'm super excited to talk to him. If you're not familiar with him, he has been a professional mountain bike rider and also has a small little YouTube channel you guys might have heard of. Kyle and April MTB. Small is an understatement. So those of you guys that aren't familiar with the channel, um, I don't even know how many subscribers he has, like a billion more than me. So um, we'll go ahead and talk to him about that in a minute. But first, I want to thank everybody that has sent me a message in the last month and asked if things were okay or told me um, that they were missing the podcast or missing the content. Where am I at? Blah, blah, blah. Like all that stuff. That was really rad. I also swung by Apple Podcasts like two days ago and there was a boatload of new reviews there. And I really appreciate all you guys that have done it. And here we are. We got like a week left in this month. We'll just call this season three kickoff. You guys can swing by there, write some more, more podcast reviews. That makes me super stoked. And then meanwhile, I'll be able to, to tell com companies and whatnot, whoever I'm trying to, to get interested in next week's episode, because that's still not scheduled. <laughs> I'll be able to tell them, go look at the reviews and boom, they'll see all these great reviews. They'll totally want to be a guest. If you guys haven't, like in the last month of, of, of going through Biker Bar Withdrawal, swung by my Instagram or my Patreon or, oh yeah, even that too, even my Facebook and give them a follow, that would be great. Those of you guys that have stopped by there and joined Patreon, you're super rad. Thank you very much. I would say that you're filling the beer fridge with beer right now, but I am like, I'm knee deep in trying to lose weight again because I'll give you guys a little teaser. Like I put some back on shocker. And uh, so I'm trying to get rid of that. And so any money that comes into the Patreon beer, beer fridge fund is basically buying like whey protein and like shot blocks or something like that. So I still appreciate it. I love everybody to come there and help support the channel. If I get enough of you guys to do that, my tax guy this year isn't going to tell me that I need to quit doing YouTube because it's not a job. So <laughs> I'm going to have to like tell the IRS, look, man, this is a hobby and I don't want to do that. So swing by Patreon, help support the channel. Let's get this party started. Episode 120. This is crazy. I can't even believe it. How's it going, Kyle? Oh, wait, I still got you muted. Look oh, at that sweet. amateur amateur hour. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> right? How's it going, dude? Good. Yeah. Thanks for um the for reaching out. And I know we tried to connect a little bit in the past year, but I'm stoked to kind of hang out and chat for a little bit. And yeah, just all things bike. Did you watch the World Cup at all this week? I this am weekend? not like a race watcher. I really like the best, the, the most I watch it is like Instagram clips. Oh, okay. So was it exciting? Yeah, it was good. It rained. It was in Fort William and they had a good race. So I just got done watching that and I went for like a little ride today, but nothing crazy, just like 30 minutes or so, but it was yeah. still nice to get out. Yeah. How, how, how is like riding going? Cause for, you were off the bike for quite some time. How, how long yeah. you weren't riding? Um, man. So probably around seven months total of not doing anything really. So that was quite a while. And I'm definitely getting back, but um, I don't know if you saw, we did a video where we went to North Carolina and we got to ride with Seth from Burn uh -huh. Peak and that was really awesome, but I kind of overdid it that day. And then on the drive home, um, I had another flare and my heart's been kind of weird since then. So that's why I'm all trimmed up because I've been doing uh, more oxygen therapy 
and just uh, trying to get things back under control. But um, yeah, I feel good. I just have been doing a little bit more e-bike stuff still, which uh -huh. has been awesome. And then just I just go slow and have fun. But I like how you said a little ever did it and you were like riding shit backwards better than yeah. I did. <laughs> I felt like um for people that haven't seen the video, we got to go ride at Burn Peak and it was super awesome. But Seth basically was like, I think we could do some cool stuff that hasn't been done before. And I was like, all right, I'm down. And then, you know, if the camera's on and you're there with Seth and you get one chance, I was like, I'm doing it. But uh -huh. uh, yeah, I kind of overdid it a little bit, but it was super fun. And that was kind of a cool day because it was the closest I felt to normal. Um, yeah. The whole time. And then I feel like it set me back a little bit, but um, just mentally having that day and being able to uh -huh. be normal again and hang out was awesome. So, yeah, I can only imagine, man, like that, that, like I was really surprised that you guys were there. Did you guys plan that ahead, like way ahead of time or not really? Um, kind of last year, right before I ended up getting sick, uh, I think in June, we had just finished our van and we we're going to do a big road trip all across the country. And we were planning on going all the way across and stopping at a bunch of different YouTubers. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, I got sick, had to deal with that whole thing. And then we wanted to take that road trip this year before things got crazy again. So we decided just to hop in the van after sea otter and drive around the country. And we had a really good trip. It was awesome. And when we were at Burn Park for the opening, then we got to hang out with Seth for the first time, really. And he was mm -hmm. super awesome and just really nice. Then he invited us to the house um, two days later. So we got to go ride that, which is cool. Yeah, that's super rad, man. Um, thanks for stopping by my house, too. That was that was sweet. <laughs> You're out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> We went straight from um from Sea Otter. We went down to Cambria, California, just for a night, and then uh -huh. we went across all the way, basically on forty Highway Forty, all the way across the country to Wilmington, North Carolina. So we drove from Pacific Ocean to Atlantic Ocean, which is That's pretty rad. cool. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was cool. I time lapsed mm -hmm. the whole thing, so we'll see if I post a. Oh wow! <laughs> did you have like your GoPro like hooked up to some kind of external power or something like that? Yeah, yeah, I did that, and then also we had to like hot swap them because they would get they'd overheat and then you'd have to swap like every 45 minutes or so and it was a pain in the butt but i thought it'd be kind of a cool thing just for people that maybe haven't gotten to travel much right um, right there's so much well, i guess you could have like a break in it and people wouldn't really tell because there's a time lapse right yeah <laughs> yeah a little it's bit like, huh that's really rad man i yeah. you know i've uh talked to some people that have done this like road ride from coast to coast and i always thought that would be pretty rad to try try to do yeah I feel like it's it's a long journey. Then the thing that we didn't really plan for is you like have a blast the whole way across and then we got to Burn Peak and that was like kind of the penultimate day, like the big grand finale. And then we had to yeah. drive home. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I, drive I, feel home that, hard. I feel that way. Like, isn't that like every road trip, though? Because I, I just recently went to Bend, which isn't that far. And it's like on the way there, you're like, yeah. And then on the way <laughs> back, you're like, could this road get any longer? Yeah, it's like finishing a mountain bike ride with a climb back to the car. Oh, God. I you know, instead of like people. climbing out to the top of a mountain and then descending yeah. back to the car and you're all high fives, then sometimes you start and have to do the descent yeah. and then climb back. Yeah, I try not to do that. I'm one of those people that's like, unless the, the like ride itself dictates that, like demo, for example, like somehow they decided to put that where you climb in and out. So yeah it's i've only You've ridden there one there before, time right yeah and it was kind of funny the trip we did there it was for a photo shoot with sun tour and uh -huh. it was a really awesome day but then on the way down um there's a bunch of potholes on that road or at least the year we went there's a lot of potholes 
and I hit a pothole and my wheel and my Tacoma flipped off and then went underneath the car and I just slid down the road on my front wheel. Oh, like it no. blew the ball joint out. So it was quite the adventure, but I've always wanted to go back, but that was in 2015, I think. So it's been quite a while. Yeah. That place is like hit or miss, man. Like at least for me, like when, when the trail crew has been there and they dial everything in, it's like the, the flow trail, for example, it's just, it's just, it's just money. You know what I mean? Like every berm is just perfect. And then whenever yeah. you go and it's kind of blown out and I mean, it's expected, right? I mean, what I'm saying is I'm not trying to be like a jerk to anybody that's down there <laughs> working on the trails, but when you go down and then it's like, you're like, ah, you know, like you're, you're in the middle of a berm and there's some big hole in it because too many people breaking on it or something. You're like, it's just, kind yeah, of right it's pretty funny to see how different mountain biking has gotten even just like i'm turning 30 this year so i'm not considering myself like an old the old guard by any means but yeah um, even from when i was 16 or 17 and started riding and i mean flow trails were not a thing really yeah yeah and then now it's like they're everywhere and we went to bentonville on our trip too and that was pretty cool to check out and see all the work they've done but it's amazing the difference between a blue flow trail technical wise and then like a blue single track raw mountain bike trail like yeah. a blue square, you know, and I feel like a lot of times a competent rider that can hit blue flow trails all day, they get thrown on a blue single track, like old school mountain bike trail, and then they struggle a little bit or vice versa. So, yeah, I feel like and maybe it's kind of like, you know, just difference in people's riding style. But I, I mean, generally speaking, I think people that are usually really good on flow trails aren't as good in tech. Yeah, you it's, know. it's weird because I feel like the areas that build a lot of flow trails, you cultivate that kind of riding technique and then you yeah. feel like you can get away with a lot more <laughs> but yeah then if like where i grew up in chico it's this lava cap everywhere and yeah. it's i mean there is no flow and i always used to when we would go to whistler i'd come back and just be like oh man i miss <laughs> i miss <Yeah>. a line <laughs> but yeah because that that um kind of guardian trail area there it's like you pay to play the whole way through it like even yeah. on the way down you're like this is still kicking my ass <laughs> <laughs> The first time I rode that solo, I thought it would be a good idea and just went out on an adventure, you know, 16 year old kid and had my backpack full of snacks and everything. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things I did is I cased a route and it flipped me over the bars. My bike flew off the cliff. Oh, and shoot. then I was just standing there and I was like, what do I do? And had to go and like climb down and put my bike in a tree and climb back up. And <laughs> I don't think I even had a cell phone or anything. It was just, I'm at least I'm, uh, of that generation to kind of have those memories too a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't like, yeah. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, it'll be crazy. I was thinking about it the other day and um, like with technology and, you know, like the VR stuff and the way people are doing like different exercises on video games and stuff. And I was thinking, man, I wonder if there's going to be a day where people like actually aren't on the trail and they're just like watching video of the trail, like feeling like they're riding the trail, but they're really sitting on like a Peloton in their living room, you know? Yeah. Or even fast forward further than that if they have Neuralink and yeah. you know it's really just they basically put the experience of going on a ride in your head yeah you don't even go like you wouldn't well you wouldn't even need to do anything it would just be you'd like download the the yeah. hit of the ride and it would feel like you had a ride but I don't know have you tried any of the VR stuff at all like not really like really really tried it like I I had like a headset on and like did some something small like a few minutes but like it blew my mind stuff up yeah huh? 
like picked a few things up or whatever in one yeah of the yeah rooms. i don't remember it was like at like a like a tech kind of convention thing i just remember i was like this is crazy like it's really crazy do you, do yeah. you play video games a lot a little bit um this christmas i got april one of the oculus the uh-huh. the vr headset thing and it was pretty cool like she just likes it because you can do little workouts and stuff on it yeah and yeah it's just a fun way to escape a little bit but it blew my mind to putting on for the first time and actually seeing how good it is and how yeah. immersive it is but i guess there's a new one coming out that's going to be quite a bit more expensive and a little bit more immersive so that'll be interesting but i think you're right and i think they have a section where you can watch kind of youtube videos on the oculus in vr yeah. and they have one where you're at the bottom of the ocean and they have all the fish swimming around you and you feel like you're in it and i just was thinking how cool it would be to film mountain bike footage like that and yeah. take people to all these different trails and and have them feel what it's like to go down the steep lines and I don't know. Yeah, it, I think I mean it, it's really not that like a much of a stretch to do what we're talking about. You know what I mean? Because it's like uh like like they have all the GPS data of every elevation gain and loss, and like they could very easily make a machine that just like you know tilts the bike. I mean, they already have those for like yeah. people that do like uh whatever that like uh the VR Peloton stuff. or Zwift yeah. or Zwift, yeah, that's it. They have like those type of machine like uh bikes already. So just to make it like rumble a little bit or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> like to really feel like you're, I mean, like, like think about like Google maps, right? Like that you can like spin all around. So, I mean, they obviously can like film that way. Right. And mm-hmm. So it's, it's yeah. not, I don't, I don't feel like it's very far until, till that happens. I'm sure the freaking porn industry probably hasn't worked out already. <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> I talked to Insta Insta 360 actually, and I was gonna see if they would send me one of their enterprise 360 um, cameras, but uh-huh. they're like tens of thousands of dollars, and they're really heavy, so it would be hard to figure out a helmet mount. Like, yeah, and if you put it on your chest or something, then you just wouldn't be able to see behind you, right? So it'd have to be up on top. Yeah, but I don't know. It'd be cool to try to do that and see what you could make happen. I feel like that's definitely a niche in the or a niche in the future, but. Yeah, I don't know. I think mountain biking is always going to be there, but I think that that could be a cool way. Like funny story coming full circle on the video game thing. One of the things that got me into mountain biking in the first place, like very early on was when I was a chubby little kid in um, junior high school, I got a PlayStation magazine every week or every month or whatever it was. Uh And they had a a demo disc. And one of the demo games was downhill domination. Yeah. And so that was one of the things I was like, Oh my God, mountain biking is so sick. And I was a huge fan of Eric Carter and Brian Lopes and, Missy Giovi and Tarianis, all the all the characters in that game. I was uh-huh. like, this is unbelievable. So that was one of the things that got me and my friend Adam stoked on mountain bikes early on. And I hope that that's what we're doing with YouTube to a yeah. certain extent. It's just bringing people in. And we get comments like that all the time. And I'm sure you have as well, where people just say, man, yeah, I feel like I'm part of this cool new community and this new sport. And Dude, it blows I, my mind, man. I honestly, like, every time people give me those kind of compliments like oh man it was like watching your videos got me ride bike and i'm like first of all what the hell are you watching my videos for if you didn't (laughs) ride bike you know like but second it's like dude like i'm i'm some like overweight like foul mouth you know beer drinking guy and i never really thought i was going to get on youtube to be like some kind of inspiration to people (laughs) you know what i mean yeah your weight loss journey though was cool and i know you said you put some back on but i mean that's how it goes. But I think a lot of people, a lot of people felt like they could connect through that. And we've all had that. And I mean, even just in a small way, like 
when I was trying to get back to full strength and I saw what you were doing with weight loss and all that, I mean, self-improvement is self-improvement. And I think it kind of made me feel like we were on the same journey a little bit together too. Yeah. Yeah. First that I wanted to say before I forget the reason I was talking about asking about the video games and the VR was because I played all these half-life games when I was like, (laughs) I I used to be a big gamer and they have a VR, like a newer half-life game that's on VR. And that was like the one reason where I was thinking about maybe buying one just to play that game. Like, so anyways, back to the weight loss thing. Um, I just had to get that out before I forgot. Because uh, <laughs> it was so relevant, dude. <laughs> but uh, the, the weight loss thing, you know, one of the things that I've really tried to do in that story, let's just say, is um, is to show people that it's not like you make this decision that you're going to get skinny and then like you go and like, go to the gym and 15 minute video later you are, you know what I mean? And I think there's too many edits like that, that are like completely unrealistic with people. And I want them to see like, yeah, dude, you can slip. You cannot meet your goals. You can be upset at yourself. You can be glad that you didn't meet your goals, but like, that's all part of the journey. And I think if you're like too much of a, a Nazi on yourself, you're not going to be successful. And if you're too much of like, like just expecting these like movie star kind of results, like you're always going to fail. You know what I mean? And I think now, especially in the era that we're in, um, there's so much polished content where everything is so pristine and it's the best event of everyone's day. And, you know, it's just kind of what you're consuming all the time. So it is easy for things to go backwards too. And I feel like there's a lot of inspiring content, but some of the content people will just watch and kind of, have a way that they feel about themselves. It's not as good or they compare themselves. And so I think that it's important, especially as creators to share as much as you can of the ups and downs, I feel like, but I mean, you don't want to be, no one wants to hear every negative thing. Right. So it's like, you don't want to be that person, but I think that showing that you have struggle or showing that you have fear is really powerful, but yeah. Yeah. I know. I hear you there, man. Do you, um, do you like, in the midst of all the stuff that you were going through, there was a post I think you put on Instagram right before you kind of signed out for a while. Yeah. And that was like super emotional and super, like super, super raw. I was really surprised that you shared that. Like, what was the reason that you decided to do that? Um, I think that at that point, that was actually just after um, we had gotten back from Washington, Washington DC for the first Senate testimony that we did. And which by the way is super rad. That's super cool. Yeah. (laughs) It was weird to get kind of pulled into all that stuff, but I think that I feel like some of the people that were really hurting, they saw me as an opportunity to have someone with a little bit of an audience or a little bit of a background Mm -hmm. before they went Mm -hmm. through the injuries. And so, I don't know. I felt like it was almost a sense of duty to do this because so many people were getting discredited immediately. And then at least from our standpoint, like I had nothing to, nothing to gain from it. And it was obviously not a benefit to us and we weren't trying to fake anything. So um, it seemed like it helped legitimize the cause a lot. And so Mm -hmm. when we went to the Senate testimony, um, yeah, I just saw a lot of hard things. Like it's hard to see little kids that are paralyzed. It's hard to see families that are torn apart. It's hard to read suicide notes. It's hard to read. Like one of the girls, Brienne, um, at the testimony, she read a suicide note from one of the women in our group who just killed herself the week prior she was supposed to be there she killed herself because she was dealing with so much neuropathy and um 
so she read that note and the suicide note was addressed to one of the people that was supposed to be there, but they no showed. So like the NIH director and the FDA director and the CDC director and all the CEOs of the companies, they were all supposed to be there. Like they had their name tags with all their names and, you know, Fauci yeah. and everybody and they, no one showed up and no one sent a representative. So it was basically like 10 doctors and scientists and then 10 injured people talking about what's going on. And then the suicide note was directly written to one of the blank chairs you know, and that person lost their life. And it's, uh, it was just really hard, like seeing that. Yeah. And then also just being told, um, that me speaking out about it was wrong when I was really just desperate to try to find help for myself yeah. and others. And so yeah. that was hard. And I kind of wanted to show people that with that post, it was a real post, but I, like I broke down, I was driving to the doctor's office and these two women in particular just kept kind of like berating me on Instagram. And then I would figure out what account it was. I'd block the account and then they'd come back and they'd be like, Oh, I have another account. You thought you could get rid of me that quickly. And just basically calling me like a POS and that I'm faking it and that I'm a liar. And what's my motivation? And how am I making money off this? And I just like your, you know, your Instagram thing pops up and it's just someone calling you like a terrible person. And so then at never, that point, never, I was never again. Yeah. Yeah. Like all the time after you just saw all these kids that are paralyzed and you had yeah, friends yeah, that yeah. were killing themselves. And then then you're driving to the doctor's office and someone's like, you're a POS, you're lying. What's your motivation? And I just was done. I broke down and started crying and just talked to the camera for a minute. Cause I wanted people to see that. Cause that's what a lot of us were going through. And yeah. yeah and then when I got home, I wasn't sure if I should post it or not. Uh -huh. And I was, I was really torn. And then I just figured like, I want people to see that this isn't easy for me. I don't, this yeah. isn't, this isn't something that I want to be doing. So I shared yeah. that and it was kind of cool because actually that post alone, just in the next two weeks, they had about 20 therapists reach out to our support group and offer free therapy and they intervene in 12 suicides in the oh, two weeks following awesome. that. So that was kind of one of those things. Lives, like, maybe, man. Yeah. I mean, at least 12 people got help that wouldn't have gotten help otherwise just in those two weeks. And it continued to be a program that was helping people. So I got a lot of mixed feelings from people on on that post you know and some yeah. guys especially kind of older macho guys are like you should never never um feel sorry for yourself and like i think that they maybe missed the point it wasn't necessarily that i was feeling sorry for myself yeah. it's like my heart was broken yeah at humanity at the time so you know i've noticed with you know being online and also just in life in general um sometimes people's perception of what you're saying is really influenced by how they feel themselves. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so like, like they may not always be perceiving things the way that you're saying them, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah. sometimes for a good reason, like in a good way and sometimes in a bad way, you know what I mean? It's like, sometimes I say some stuff completely joking and people think I'm, I'm freaking serious. And it's like, dude, get out of town, man. Yeah. You know? And uh, so that's yeah, it's hard. Well, it's it's hard too because I feel like so many people will judge before they think about what they would do in the same situation. And yeah. you know, at, at the point in time that we were at, there was average of six to seven people killing themselves a week in our group. There was no response from the government. There was no one, no help. There's no yeah. program that people are getting support through. And then we're going and talking to these people, and they're not showing up. There's blank, you know, blank chairs in the room, and so it's this, it's a uh, it's hard. Like I grew up my whole life. I've, I've said this on another interview and if people want to hear more kind of about the whole story, doc, I did an interview with Dr. Campbell, um, Dr. John Campbell about a week and a half ago, and we went into depth on everything, but, um, 
that one's it's been interesting to see how much differently things are received now versus back in last November. And I feel like people yeah. are so much more open-minded now and it's just an, a topic that you can talk about more. And so, I don't know, it's just interesting. I've never been a part of something that you're not allowed to speak about. And also um, I understood both sides of the argument and I yeah. understood where people were coming from on both sides, but then I'm just like with this group of misfit toys that are broken and we're really desperate to try to find help. So yeah. we need help. And we're, we're kind of just like, um, I felt like, I felt like I got thrown into the pit of despair with all these people that are just kind of left behind by society. And I was yeah. the only one that had a flashlight. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, let's figure, let's figure this out. And so then when we started doing interviews and I kind of understood how the YouTube algorithm would work and I understood how you could get a message out without having it be so divisive that it would get taken down. Cause I right. haven't had anything that I've spoken on be censored um, to the point of getting removed on YouTube, which is pretty rare in mm -hmm. this situation. So I don't know. I felt like that was really interesting. And then being able to speak on it and, and get some awareness around it, then we started having a big movement. And actually last week on Thursday, um, the government finally officially recognized that this is happening and they have a big preprint study saying this is happening. These are the case numbers that we're seeing and they're working with our group now. So it's starting to happen and it's because we talked about it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's the way things happen, right? Yeah. I mean, you have to like voice it or it's going to, it's never going to get noticed. Yeah. And it yeah. sucks too. Cause I think that, um, it's scary. The other part is just not knowing what the long-term consequences will be. So right. we want to get, I mean, like I want to get studied as much as possible because I don't know what my heart's going to do. And I, I keep having it just like weird flare ups and all these weird things happening and I'm not perfect yet. So I would yeah. love to have my body back to where it was before. And I, I think I'll get there. I think it'll take time, but it would also be nice to like be in a study. And then in the future, when something like this happens, people know what's going yeah. on. And I've volunteered countless times, like put me in coach like i'm yeah. you can do whatever tests you want you can do anything you want let's figure this out but it's just not being conducted yet so yeah i don't know yeah. how do you get invited <laughs> to be in the senate like some yeah. dude in a black card like rolls up like <laughs> sunglasses I, <laughs> well funny enough like speaking of that kind of stuff some of that stuff not the pulling up to my house that hasn't happened as much but um the former deputy director of the cia just randomly texted me one day and said, Hey Kyle, like, this is my role. This is who I am. You can, here's more info about me. Like, I'd love to talk to you. And then, um, I reached back out to him and then we talked for about an hour and a half, just about everything. And it was yeah. really interesting. And like, I don't know, it's just weird getting put into the situations with those people. And you really, you know, like at the bike industry, when you go to sea otter and yeah. you're at the, at the pit and there's all the booths and everyone's like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? It's been so long. Like in DC, that's how it felt for that industry of of politicians and uh -huh. you know oh here's the guy who runs the um dhs like department of homeland security and this name yeah. is john and and then it's just really interesting so the way yeah. i got kind of pulled into that was i just mentioned on my youtube that um or on our youtube that i was dealing with this and that's why we've been quiet and i tried to say i'm not trying to divide people i'm not trying to really have a stance on this at all i'm just saying that this happened to me and that's why we haven't been posting and then that message got out and um, one of the ladies who was kind of heading up this support group, this physician led support group with the government um, or they're working with the government. She reached out to me and just said, Hey, I want to help you. And just so you know, would you be willing to speak in DC? Cause we're going to be doing this testimony in a couple weeks. And I said, yes. And then 
got to go do that, which was really cool. But that's rad. Yeah, it was weird. I it was very interesting. Um, like we did a, a small, not really a protest, but like a small gathering in front mm-hmm. of the Supreme Court steps as well. And you know, up on the Supreme Court building in big marble <laughs> cutout letters, it says equal justice under law for all. Yeah. And you're just like, I don't know if that's happening here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, so I mean, there's a lot of things. It's hard to get into the politics of everything, but um, it's just at the end of the day, I feel like there's a lot of people that are getting left behind in so many areas of life. And yeah. there's a lot of people that are benefiting that aren't stepping up and doing their part. And you can even see that with, you know, yeah, workers not getting treated well enough at certain companies. And you can yeah, see that yeah. with just the history of, you know, basically what we've all built. And right. I don't know, it's, it's weird to be pulled into it. I just really wanted to stay in the bike industry <laughs> as much as yeah. I could. And then it was a rude awakening, but. Have you ever been to DC before? Mm-mm, no. Did, did you get to do anything like fun while you were there? I Not love really. That yeah, I was still kind of, um, I was still a little bit rough. So April and I yeah. got to like, we got, took out a lime scooter and we just looked around for a little bit kind of near the hotel and we went to one little yeah. museum for a minute. But yeah, I was yeah. basically in and out of the hotel the whole time. And then just, we were there for two days. So it's kind of in and out, but. I urge you to go back, man, and spend like a couple of days. Like all the museums are free and like, uh, it's just, um, there's some really good stuff to see there. I don't know. I, I like history a lot too. So it's pretty cool for me that way. But I grew up kind of close to there. So like DC is where we would go all the time on like our field trips and stuff like that. And um, it's pretty amazing architecture. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. just looking around and seeing all the just the odes to the past and past civilizations and ancient Rome yeah. and all these different things. Like there's so many caricatures that have been carried throughout history and yeah. you can see them placed everywhere. And it's just, it's very interesting because it makes you feel it makes it feel like DC currently is this one link in this long chain of civilization, you know, yeah. and it's just kind of been built on over time. Yeah. And then you have this area that yeah, pays homage to it, so it, many. It's cool to too, like just I don't know, like I'm not like super into politics, you know, like I'm not I'm not like that, like wake up and read about it and all the kind of all that kind of stuff, you know, but it's cool being there and being like, Hey man, like world decisions are being made here. Like the way that people live their lives are being made here and being affected here. And then like, like in the museums and stuff, like you can go and it's like this freaking capsule has been to space and it's like sitting here in front of me, (laughs) like, you know, or like, here's these dinosaur bones of like this freaking dinosaur or here's the hope diamond or like, um, they have a Holocaust museum there. That's really freaking good. Um, just a bunch of stuff. So I don't know. I, I have like you watched, there's huh? a show. There's a new show that was out last year. Um, I'm trying to look it up really quick. Dan Brown, the lost symbol. Have you looked at ah. that? Oh, it's it, kind of like a Da Vinci code kind of thing. Yeah. It's a Da Vinci code and it's, it's pretty interesting. If you like that stuff, like especially DC, then it's pretty awesome. Cause they, yeah. it's based in DC and they have all the Templar stuff yeah 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 i'll have to check it out yeah that'll be fun so um back to something that you mentioned earlier you got to meet seth for the first time and i'll tell you the first like my favorite part of that entire video was one sentence that you said and you're like i'm like totally fanboying right now like you were like (laughs) like you were like totally like like all like like fan like awestruck you know like like other people are when they meet us instead you know and how was that experience for you it was cool. I mean, 
I think that amongst a lot of the YouTube creators, I feel like I could be wrong, but I feel like we all have a pretty healthy level of respect for each other just mm -hmm. because there's so much work that goes into it and everyone seems to want to support each other as much as they can. But yeah, I feel like Seth is kind of the goat, you know, <laughs> and yeah. like, and it's just fun to watch what he's done. And I have so much respect for him and all the videos he's made. And I've watched, I think I've watched almost every single video he's made. Like I went through for weeks and just would watch one at a time, almost to study too. And to see, okay, how did he do this? And why did he do this? Yeah. And why is he putting music here? And when did he start doing voiceover? And, I just would try to learn from him a lot. So he was like a huge mentor. And uh -huh. yeah, it's just, I don't know. It was cool to meet him. It was really fun. And it's weird too to see, you know, the 2D screen that you always see and then you see him in 3D and you're like, oh, this yeah. is just weird. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had that a lot when I was racing mountain bikes too with uh -huh. pro athletes when I was younger. And then, you know, you meet like Greg Minar. Oh my God, it's Greg Minar. But it was just a little bit funny for me because it's been so long since I met someone in the race scene that I was really awestruck by just because uh -huh. like you kind of become friends with everyone pretty quickly. And then right, right. with Seth, I hadn't really gotten to hang out or meet him yet. So it was cool yeah. to pick his brain and he's yeah. a really smart guy. Yeah, he is definitely. I will say that I um, don't get nervous very often, but the only interview that I can think of that I've done out of all that I've done on here was that made me nervous beforehand was talking to him. Really? Because I was like, I don't want to screw this up. You know what I mean? Like, like what you said, like I look up to, to a lot of his content and like his following and everything, you know? So it was like, and, and also like a, a bit of a fan as well. I mean, I'm on his Patreon, you know, I have been for, cool. for a long time. Like, um, so I don't know. I just think. It, I feel it, like we owe him a lot as an industry because him and a few other people like BKXC as well. And, you know, there's yeah. several other ones that have been around for a long time, but they really kind of carved this path and, showed people what was possible and then yeah. i think now it's getting a lot more mainstream adopted and you see people jump in who maybe they want to make videos but they don't want to put in the time and effort to make a video they want to you know they want to get filmed or they want to film something in this throat up which is awesome and some of it does really well but yeah i feel like what seth pioneered especially was just all the time and effort and editing and telling a story and crafting it and it's just i don't know yeah i have so much respect for him so yeah yeah it's definitely um when people like some of the people that you you just explained at least to me that want to like you know just get on and get recognized and i usually tell them that the short format's probably better for that you know like if you yeah, just like don't want to like be involved in uh, telling a story and taking a bunch of shots and wasting your whole day like instead of like just going out and riding you know like if you just want to go out and ride and do some ripping around and like get get like social following like the best way to do that is the short format you know like the little instagram reels or the youtube shorts or TikTok, because you can blow up that way but it is a ton more work to be a youtuber and yeah i think it's quite a bit more rewarding though too because you build such a deep connection with your with your audience yeah. and so you know i mean at, on instagram i wasn't really crushing it on instagram but before we did any youtube or anything i had around thirty thousand um, mm -hmm. instagram followers and every now and then you know you'd go to a trail especially locally you go to trail and someone be like oh hey i know who you are or you'd maybe go travel and someone would be like at a race like oh hey i follow you that's pretty cool 
But yeah. now with YouTube, it's it's so much different because even when we were at that roughly 30,000 ish size, it was still so many more people that were, they felt comfortable to come up and say, Hey, I know you not yeah. like I've seen you. It's, I know you, I know your personality. I know your voice. I know, you know, yeah. a little bit about you. So it's kind of cool. It's a, it's like a friendship immediately, which is really awesome. But I feel yeah, that yeah. Seth, <laughs> at the burn park opening, Seth was so pinned all day. Like there was, there had to have been at least 500, 600 people on the trails riding and saying, Oh my God, Seth, like every second was a new person, but he was such a good sport about it. And it was this, it was fun to watch that because people drove from Kentucky and all over the country to come to that one park just to support him and what he's done. And I don't yeah, know. I would have been truly emotional, man. If I was <laughs> just, like shoes, cause that stuff, like when it, like when I did the, I did a biker camp a while, while back, I haven't done one in a while. And like, I had, I don't know, hundred or so people there and just the feeling that I got like all these people are here because like I put this together and like all these people are having a good time and like drinking beers and you know high-fiving and did all these rides today and it, it like it made me like well up you know like I yeah. was like it was emotional for me to like to see that so I couldn't imagine building a whole bike park and having <laughs> like all these people like fly from all over to come there and, and like check it out. Like that had to be very surreal for him, you know? Yeah, it was cool. And he seemed just so stoked. And I feel like, again, he's carving the path a little bit and showing brands what's possible because I think there's so many people that are going to support the brands that sponsored that, you know, project. And yeah, I think it shows up in, in little ways that you maybe can't measure all the time, but even like my chiropractor the other day, he went out and got a set, like a set of ride concept shoes because, you know, we ride ride concept shoes and it's not like he bought them from an affiliate link or anything, but he's like, yeah, yeah I just like what you guys do. And with Seth, the same thing now with this bike park, all the new kids that are going to get into mountain biking and they see all the signs with all the logos and the companies actually gave back and helped out. I think that it's, it's going to be the first of many projects like that from creators, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard to um, show your worth in some of those cases, you know, where like, like there's so many purchases and things that are made that aren't through an, a link or an affiliate link that are driven mm -hmm. from your influence, you know what I mean? And um, that's, it's definitely tough, at least to get started in that space of um, getting kind of sponsorships like that, you know? For sure. And I think that it's there's a weird wave that has kind of passed a little bit. But in the past, before you could track anything, it was all based on trust. And there's a yeah. good quote that someone said a long time ago, um, a marketing guy. He said, I know that I waste half of my marketing budget every year. I just don't know which half. <laughs> and so it's like it's impossible to account for anything, but you just have to do it and you have to do cool projects that people like. And it builds yeah. up this this kind of aura around the brand. And yeah. so in the past with mountain biking, people would get sponsored just to go to the races and be a part of the races. And then when Instagram and all these um, social metrics came out and like hookit.com started tracking things, then it became your only worth as much as you sell through affiliate yeah. links. And then it kind of had this weird, there's this balancing out that's happening right now where the brands have to trust that there is some intrinsic value that hasn't been capitalized yet or tracked yet, but it, it helps. And it's like slowly building up the value of the brand. 
Yeah. And then you also have the side of there's affiliate sales and all that stuff. But yeah, I, ideally yeah. as a creator, you create your own brand and then leverage it. And then that's kind of what BKXC is doing with trail one. And, you know, a few things like that. I think in other industries, creators that I've really looked up to like, um, Peter McKinnon, who's a video content creator. Yeah, yeah. Elmer. I love Peter McKinnon. Yeah. He's done a good job. And like with him, he has multiple brands that have his name on it and he partners with companies and sells products because then even if someone purchases the product because he helped design it, but they don't even know who he is, but they like the design of the product then he gets a kickback on that. And so I don't know it's really interesting, but it is tough to get started. And we have those conversations all the time. Like April and I obviously last year was really hard on us financially. So we're kind of this year scrambling to rebuild a little bit, not, mm -hmm. not totally. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting having those conversations and I was scared, especially last year that a lot of the brands would drop out, um, from us just because mm -hmm. basically there's this connotation that I was getting associated with this group of people that I'm not, I don't feel that way, you know? And mm -hmm. so it's just like, I don't know, I got stuck in the middle of this really divisive subject and then that automatically kind of taints you. And so yeah. I didn't want to get tainted and pulled out and then I'm just like, oh, I worked so hard my whole life to build all these relationships. And I think all the sponsors that we had stayed behind us, which was amazing. Like not a single one dropped out, which is really awesome. But yeah, it was scary. And we like we didn't get paid for some of the end of the year or whatever. But part of that was our own doing too. just yeah. saying, hey, we haven't created content because I've been sick. So I'm not going to yeah. invoice you for stuff we haven't done, you know? Right. But, totally. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I um I don't know, man. I I in some conversations I'd like to have some sponsorships and in other conversations I I keep falling back to I I would rather just be sponsored by Patreon. Like mm -hmm. just because I feel like you can get I mean, you're not going to get like the big payout like you could get from some other like brand kind of sponsors, you know, but I just feel like it really gives me the ability to to do whatever I want, you know what I mean? And to say whatever I want to say and like, um, but on the other hand, you know, and I guess if I was like crushing it video wise, like I'd be making plenty of money from from YouTube, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that maybe that gets overstated a little bit sometimes too yeah. for people. I feel like for us, if we do a hundred thousand views on a video, it's usually around like four hundred dollars in ad revenue. Yeah. yeah. So I mean if, if you yeah, it's not a lot. Like if you work all week <laughs> like this last video that didn't upload last night, like I told you, I worked all last night to finish a video went to upload it and then it got stuck on checking for uh, copyright stuff and it yeah, wouldn't yeah. upload today. So I put probably 25 or 30 hours into that video of just sorting right. through footage and it was multiple yeah. days of an event. And right. then I think, if we, yeah, if we're lucky, you yeah, know, right. so yeah. it's like, oh, I, you know, I'm getting paid 10 or 15 bucks an hour to do this stuff, but it's not, that's not why you do it. You do it because you really enjoy sharing the message with people, but yeah, I don't know. It's that was one thing that was crazy. Like one of the guys that I've kind of become friends with, his name's Dr. John Campbell. Uh -huh. And every day he just sits down with a research paper and he just live streams him going through the research paper and looking at stuff and saying, Oh, this is what this means. And here's what they're seeing here. And he gets three to 500,000 views, sometimes a million views every day on all that stuff. And then I'm just like, 
oh, our industry is so small, but it's cool what we get to do. But it's just crazy that with the total addressable market of everyone who's interested in health stuff, then he's getting that every single day just by doing like a very low effort live stream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. But the mountain bike industry, I think, has some of the best content creators across all industries. I think Seth has kind of trained people how to be such good storytellers. And you see single track sampler and even BCPOV and all these people. And they're so good at storytelling. And you feel like you went on an adventure with every video. And yeah. if I follow like football creators or, um, you know, different action sports like motocross people and motocross vlogs and all that, I haven't found anyone who does what the mountain bikers do yet, but really, it, that's interesting. It, you know, I haven't thought about that. If anyone has suggestions, let me know. Cause I don't follow snow sports. Yeah. But I, I feel like, um, like Lone Ranger and all these different people, they're so good at storytelling. And I truly just, my opinion is that Seth created this whole kind of category of storytelling with the mountain bike involved. And yeah. it's almost like you're getting read a bedtime story by, <laughs> by yeah, someone yeah. who's really good and has good visuals too. Yeah. 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 It's, in it's interesting. You know, it's been, it's been fun. Um, finding that in myself as well. You know, I, I would imagine that like you and April feel the same way. Like I'm sure how things maybe ended up on your channel to where they are now compared to what you thought like day one you were going to do is mm -hmm. not like the same. Right. No. And yeah, I think that early on, I spent a whole year before April really got involved. I spent a whole year just trying to learn the back end of YouTube. And I started doing some more of the kind of travel race vlog things and also um, some product stuff, but nothing really well thought out. It was more of a reactionary thing. Like I'm doing this thing. So let me grab a camera and bring it along. And then mm -hmm. when April got involved, it went from we're doing this thing. Let's bring a camera to document it to how can we share this message or how can we do this in the best way and share it with people? Like mm -hmm. it went, you know, and that's when we started doing the clinics and everything. Um, yeah. like basically free online tutorials and right. that seemed to hit a nerve with a lot of people cause they just wanted just enough to be dangerous. You know, they're like, I want to yeah. learn a little bit and get into mountain biking and see if it's worth it. And then we actually had Ninja MTB coaching. They reached out to us early on and they said, I don't know what you guys are doing. I don't know who you are, but what you're doing is awesome because we're getting so many people reaching out and saying that they want to take clinics now because they saw April's progression of working with a coach and mm -hmm. how much she has progressed. And so now like Ninja MTB and all these other coaching clinics places are getting this influx of new riders from YouTube, which is pretty cool. So oh, that's right. Yeah. I never thought about that until yeah. Richard just called me one day. He's like, I don't know who you are. I don't know anything about you, but all my coaches are telling me that your name gets brought up all the time. And you and April are doing an awesome job. So I thought that was really cool. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think, you know, it's, it's, um, there's a lot of new people in the sport for one thing. I mean, and outside of that, um, it's super relatable. And, and you have like, um, like clout. I mean, you were, you're a professional mountain biker already. You know what I mean? And then you're teaching somebody who is new to the sport. So like her fears of things or whatever, you know, like that's, that's, that's captured. So it, it's very easy for people to relate to, you know? Yeah. That was something that was really cool to learn too. It was, um, yeah, I feel like a lot of the pros and myself included when they get involved with YouTube, 
they basically just want to make little shreddits and show everyone their riding skill, which is yeah. awesome because they're really skilled riders. But yeah. at the same time, it's really hard to relate if yeah. you've never done that thing. And it's cool to watch sometimes like Brandon Seminick videos and Danny McCaskill videos are amazing. But yeah. I feel like the relatable side is pretty cool. And I think Van Girl Yuka, um, she does another really good channel and it's yeah, super like relatable. And, a lot. Yeah, I think that. Yeah. I think all that stuff's really cool. And she's I, really funny. I asked, um, <laughs> I asked them if she would get on one of these podcasts and she just wasn't interested. I think it just didn't feel right for her, you know? Yeah. Not. And, uh, I was like bummed because I, I really wanted <laughs> to talk to her cause she just, I don't know. She cracks me up. The things that she says is just hilarious. So yeah, they uh, yeah. Everyone's been so cool. And like I said, earlier i think that a lot of the creators have so much respect for each other because there is so much effort that goes into it and yeah you can't really fake it and i had a conversation with paul the punter a while ago and we were just talking about it and you know it's like what's the barrier for entry for youtube because i mean you don't really you it's easier with a nice camera you can capture better footage but you don't need a nice camera a lot of people like bkxc built kind of this whole channel and all of his stuff with a gopro and an iphone you know, he's done such a good job with it, but the barrier for entry really is effort. You know, it's like, how much yeah. effort do you want to put in and yeah. how much do you want to put yourself out there while kind of not doing the best job early on? Cause I think that's one thing is a lot of our early videos before April got involved with the channel was like just drone reviews and just really awkward, weird videos that I wasn't doing the best at and the audio is super crappy and it just, yeah, it takes a long time to practice and master. And there's a lot of videos that we would go through and edit and then just not post because they weren't good enough. And at a certain point you get, you build up your skill, just like riding. No one was pro their first time they went riding. So, yeah. And then it's all there, you know? So like I, I go back and look at some of the videos whenever I first started doing my channel and I wonder why anybody fucking subscribed. Because <laughs> <to my channel. laughs> And I mean, I don't even think I'm really good at it now, but I'm at least like a little bit more impressed with them. <laughs> but uh, I mean, even I could watch something I made a year ago and be up and like not like it anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? That's a natural feeling. So don't feel too bad about it because we have yeah. the same struggle. And I, I struggle with that really hard to the point where it's almost detrimental. And yeah, um, yeah I don't know. It's just, I think a lot of the content creators are very similar people in at least kind of their base layer of who they are because mm -hmm. a lot of us are really creative we're really sensitive but we also put ourselves out there and then you take criticism and then it's interesting to see how that shapes the channel over time because yeah. you can take criticism and just say i don't whatever i don't care or you can take it and say that's a valid point let me try to address this and i thought yeah. that was interesting um like i talked to seth about that a little bit and he said that in one of his first videos he did someone commented and said, Hey, your channel's really cool. I like your video, but if you want to grow, you can't cuss. He's like, you shouldn't curse. And Seth's like, that was the single best advice I ever got because being from New York and then going down to Florida, he would just curse a lot in the videos. And then it became not family friendly. And he's like, most of the people that showed up at the burn park opening are mom, dad, and two kids. Right. And so it's like, it's pretty crazy to think about just that one piece of advice someone gave him if he would have just been like, ah, you know, you don't know what you're talking like about. I'm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I guess at the end of the day, it really depends on your goals too, because there's a lot of people that are able to um, 
focus on maybe the, the less family friendly content or anything, yeah. but at least for us, we've tried to be really conscious of the fact of not alienating anybody that we don't have to, because yeah, like that kind of was one of the things that hung up this video that I was trying to do last night is I edited it all. And then I was going through it. And one of the people we interviewed cursed and I didn't catch it. And so then like, there's this like one curse word early on in the video. And I'm like, Oh, I know I'm going to get a little kid, like a four-year-old kid's going to be like, mom, what's that? <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh, so I had to try to edit it and then it got the video broke on YouTube. And then I yeah. had to put a new one up this morning. So it's just for me, there's a lot of thought that goes into it. Yeah. I, um, I've gone back and forth on that. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, pretty loose with, with the, with the cuss words. And, um, <laughs> when I first started my channel, I didn't filter it at all. And now I definitely am more selective on it. Like I'll catch myself on the trail, say one thing and I'll repeat it again without the cuss word in it mm -hmm. because just because I know in the edit, I don't want it to be like in my vid original videos where it's like, bloop, 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 <laughs> you know, and I'm like, wow, I go back and I watch it. I'm like, holy crap. Now I am not like, that was a little overboard, you yeah. know? And, um, but I definitely don't want to censor it completely. And, um, and yeah, you maybe don't want to be isn't... inauthentic. Yeah. And I think for me, I think that's where like a lot of people relate to me where like, that's the following that I have. Like I always would like, do you know who Andrew Dice Clay is? Yes. Oh, a little bit. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. follow him, but I know yeah, me him. neither. But like back in the day, he was like, kind of like this foul mouth, you know, stand up comedian. And, and then like, he got super popular, even though he was foul mouth. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, a lot of guys did, I mean, even Eddie Murphy and like, you know what I'm saying? So anyways, like, um, I yeah, was kind of thinking that. myself, like, I'm okay with, with maybe not growing as fast or um, like, like maybe that that's that's my people and I just want those to be my people, you know? Yeah, for sure. And on the other hand, with the kids thing, like, and this is just my personal opinion, and and you know, because it's my channel, I get to do that. But like <laughs> I always cussed around my kids, I never really cared because in yeah. my mind, I wanted them to understand the difference of like what's right and what's wrong, and whether that's like correct for a kid to be cussing or or not and it's not like they're going to go out in the world and never hear that like so to me it was like no i'm just going to teach you that like this is not appropriate for children and when you're an adult you get to make that decision <laughs> these words you know yeah, and, and because i have that view then i um i'm like well it's your your decision just not watch my channel if i do that, <laughs> you know no that's how my mom was growing up too and you know i was a little bit looser with it early on too yeah. but then i think what changed for me is i don't want to be inauthentic and there's times where we will like bleep something out especially if you like you know case a jump or crash you're like ah oh. but yeah i feel like um at least for our goal which is trying to help as many people ride a mountain bike safer mm -hmm. as possible then it's nice because then you can have the family members all watch it and stuff we get those yeah. comments a lot but i think like you said, for you or for there's tons of other people who have a really selective group that they're targeting. Right. And you're like, yeah, this is who I am and this is what I want. And people yeah. appreciate you for that. So yeah. if you became super vanilla, then yeah. people maybe wouldn't appreciate you as much, but right. it would also open you up to skinny now. He doesn't cuss anymore and his channel's huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <He's, laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's a tough balance. And I think that's, one thing people don't um, 
realize a lot of times is that, like I said, with my friend, John Campbell, his total addressable market is anybody who's into health, basically yeah. like public health. And so he has yeah. millions and millions and millions of people he can reach. And then for us, our total addressable market is, I think there's an estimated 16 million mountain bikers in the U S yeah. so, and then globally, I'm not sure what the number is, but I would assume it's probably at least triple that. So yeah. it's as interesting because, um, the market's pretty small. And so, you know, if, like Seth has 2 million subscribers. I bet that's probably one or 2% of the avid mountain bikers in the world. Right. I could be totally wrong, but that's yeah. it's my opinion. Who knows though, man? I don't think like, like there's enough people, you know, I was just joking about earlier in the show. Like there's enough people that watch this content that don't even ride bike. Like a yeah. good story is, is a good story. So like even out of his 2 million, I bet you they're not even all riders. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, we've, yeah, I agree. And we'll see stuff like that too sometimes. And a lot of times you'll hear or see comments where people say, I've been watching this channel for a while and I just bought my first mountain bike or, you know, yeah. like I'm, I don't know they just get inspired or they get, they have a fun time watching people storytell, like I said, or yeah. this is, I don't know. The YouTube space is really cool. And I hope that it continues to stay the way it is. I think that April and I were talking about it a little bit today and I feel like YouTube definitely has a problem with creator burnout. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've listened to a bunch of interviews and the CEO, Susan, um, she's talked about it quite a bit as well. Cause they're having a hard time retaining people for more than three years. And like the average lifespan of a YouTuber is three years and then they're gone because they burned out. Right. And so the algorithm really favors weekly uploads, but coming up with 52 unique ideas and executing them fairly well is really hard. So yeah. I don't know what they need to change, but they're actively talking about changing it. And I think that, um, I don't know, there's some people that are able to beat, beat that. No problem. Like Mark Rober, he's a really yeah. good example where he'll do like one a month, but it just gets such a massive reach. So, but that's what, um, I mean, that's one of those things that, uh, Mr. Beast said in one of his interviews that I listened to. And he was said, instead of doing, you know, four videos a month that are mediocre, do one a month that just kicks ass. Mm -hmm. you know and, and like if that's what it is then like if you could do one a month and let's just say that one video let's say you did one a year and your one video did three million views right yeah but if you did one a week you only got like ten thousand views a week like then obviously the one a year is worth it yeah you know? yeah it's a tough balance i think that's where we're trying to figure out right now what to do on that standpoint because yeah. it's uh it is a lot of effort to try to do one a week but we're lucky in the fact that we have two people and so april has been starting to edit a little bit more which has been really helpful and is really yeah. awesome and i don't know we're i feel like we're in this weird spot where we're trying to figure out exactly what the channel looks like moving forward but yeah but then sometimes you just stuff happens and you can't post or do a podcast for a month you know yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, totally. I um I came up with that 90 second reviews just because I wanted something to be able to do quickly that I could just put up content weekly. And um I'm not sure if that helps or hurts the channel to tell you the truth. Because um a couple of things, but one of them is like I think it helps in the in the aspect that it's a short review and if it's something that you're interested in buying or considering like it has zero fluff in it, you know? So like that part of it is like super rad. At least 
I, I, that's the feedback that I get, you know, it's not, you know, listen to the three minutes of a video until they actually start talking about what it is that you want to hear. Yeah. Um, so that part is good, but the downside I, and the other part is good that, you know, Hey, it's content. It's, I could go out to the garage and record like 10 of them. Right. I'll, I'll literally bring like 10 shirts and like six different hats and I like hang them all out here and like film one thing, change a shirt, change a hat, like film another, <laughs> film another, film another. And um, so you can like bang them out really easy. They're short to edit because I, I purposely don't put like all these product shots and stuff in there. And um, so that part is really easy. But the other end of it is like YouTube also part of the algorithm looks at whether or not the people that subscribe to your channel watched your last video mm -hmm. and reviews and they were all products that they didn't really give a shit about. Like YouTube isn't always like sending them the, the, the notification to say, hey, this time Robert made a trail video and you're stoked about his trail videos. Yeah. You know, like the algorithm doesn't necessarily know the difference in content. No, and it definitely will punish you. So that's that's the hard thing is if you try to strive for weekly videos, but then the weekly videos get bad, yeah. then what happens is not only does your customer base lose faith in your in the video being good, right? Like if they get presented a plate or right. if you're at a dinner and there's five options and it's like Seth's bike hacks, you know, or burnt peak and you have single track right. sampler and you have all these other ones and it's Sunday afternoon and it's like, well, yeah, I'm going to pick the ones I know are going to be better. I'm not going to take the risk on this mystery dish. Yeah. So yeah. it's hard, but, uh, I feel like a lot of times it is better to take that extra little bit of time and just wait on something and then post it so that yeah. people, get excited about it. But I've noticed that if we, if we do that inconsistently, like if it was every other week that you posted, I think that would be okay. Cause people would yeah, kind of get accustomed to waiting for it or, or yeah, planning to see it. But yeah, if you're like on one week and then off three weeks and on one and then off two yeah. and then post three videos one week, it's hard. Yeah. I'm all over the place. That's the problem. You know, and, and <laughs> I know, and I know it, you know what I mean? And, um, it's, uh, <sighs> It's, it's, it's kind of that burnout thing, you know, that you talked about a minute ago where it's like, I'm always battling wanting to quit doing YouTube yeah. like consistently for the last, I mean, I've been doing it for a long time at this point. I think my first video was like 2017 or something like that, you know? So like, it, it's been a long time and I can't tell you how many times in a month that I think to myself, I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore. What like, is it about it that you struggle with? I think for me, I, um, it's just the pressure of, of making content, you know, mm -hmm. of like wanting to, to be better, the pressure of like, and, and I'm, I'm digging into like things that are like subconscious feelings, you know, not necessarily like I'm I'll, sitting at I'll my desk going you. like, Oh, I feel the, pr you know what I mean? Like, like subconsciously yeah. it's like, I'll trade like, you subconscious feelings you from wanting to, to edit. You know what I mean? Like I'm sitting there, I want to edit and I can't do it. And I think subconsciously it's like, if this video isn't good enough, I'm not going to get the emotional reward that I want out of the work that I'm putting into it. Or, um, is it even worth it? I'm going to spend 15 to 20 hours on this project, you know, and, mm -hmm. and 5,000 people might watch it, you know, and it's like, yeah. And by, by somebody that just started a, a channel, maybe they look at 5,000 views and they're like, man, I would like 
push an old lady into the traffic for 5,000 views, you know? And for me, it's like you, you, you put all this like effort and, and passion and like you're, you're put yourself out there into something. And then, then you're maybe not getting the, the reward for it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and whatever that reward is for you, whether it's like views or it's money or whatever it is, um, whatever it is, like, it's hard for me to, to maybe I don't feel like I'm getting. And, um, and it's not that like, dude, I'm not like upset about the subscribers I have, like they're freaking rad. It's awesome when people come up and like, they're like, man, this is rad to meet you. And like, that's so cool. But, um, there's something about that, like emotional, like roller coaster of creating this content and like whether or not it is as good as you thought it would be or like how it performs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and the funny thing too, is a lot of the videos that you don't think are going to do well, then those are the ones that take off. And yeah, we had that last year where we went to Ray's Mount bike park and I spent two days there filming and me and April were riding and she was doing a coaching clinic thing with some women. And, um, yeah, we were there for two or three days. I filmed the whole time, a bunch of B-roll. I did interviews with the staff, I, you know, talking about why did they build raise? What was like at the beginning and this whole thing. And then one morning they opened an hour early for us so we could get some footage without anyone in it. Uh -huh. And last minute they're like, Hey guys, you got 10 minutes. So April and I threw on a GoPro and did a full run around the place. And when we got home that week, I just threw together a quick video and posted it and was like, I don't know what else to do this week. So I'm just going to post this and do the documentary style one the next week. And then yeah. that shorter video got, I think it's almost 5 million views now. And it was like <laughs> the one that I put the least stress into. It was the least yeah. planning. It was, and then I'm like, oh. but then on the other hand, we have a suspension video that I put over 35 hours of editing into, and it has maybe a hundred thousand views. So it's this, it's, it is interesting um, that if your reward scale is viewership, then yeah, it's definitely not always even, but I think that I get comments on that suspension video from people that say this has completely changed everything about how I ride bikes. And to me, that's more valuable than, yeah. you know, the 500 little kid telling me that Ray's looks stupid or you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, uh, but I think that if you, um, just what I've noticed is if you can find projects where the goal is to get the message out, then yeah. it helps a lot with that feeling of burnout. Because, yeah. you know, like I want to do next week, I want to do a geometry video of how, how to read bike geometry charts and like, just kind of yeah. understand what it means when you're looking for yeah. a new bike. And I'm working with Niner right now on a bunch of new product. And so we're really deep into it. And it's so confusing, even for the engineers, they're like, wait, oh, I got mixed up. I meant this, like at this reach, yeah. with this stack and all that. So the goal for this video that we're going to work on, it'll probably take a few weeks to get it out, but it's literally like help someone understand their next bike purchase better. And so then whatever the reward is, whoever watches it, the viewership doesn't matter as much as the response yeah. and if it helps people or not. But I think for me, I really don't know what I expect as a reward. <laughs> like <laughs> if you had, if you had a mil, you woke up tomorrow and you had a million subscribers and every podcast you did got a hundred thousand listens. Would yeah. you feel any different about what you're doing now? I, I don't think so. Like, I don't really, I don't really know what it is that I expect out of it. Yeah. And I think that's my problem. I really haven't <laughs> like, that's probably like the core is like, I, 
I don't know what I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I really want. Do I really want a million views? Do I really want a bunch of money? Do I really want like, um, to walk down the street and everybody know who I am? Like, I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, uh, but whatever it is, like every time I post a video, I'm like, Nope, that wasn't it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that, um, one parallel I can draw is with racing and, I probably hung out, hung on to racing about a year to year and a half longer than I should have, mm -hmm. because I was just afraid to quit because yeah. it was all I knew. And so in 2015, um, I got to the point where I was kind of over it. And then 2016, I had a big concussion and was dealing with a lot of stuff. And I was like, I think I'm done racing, but I didn't know how else to make money or how to go through life. Like all I knew was you train four or five days a week, and then you go to the races through the summer and you do well, and then you just do that the next year. Like that was it. Yeah. So the fear of change is what kept me from actually quitting and pursuing something different. And then yeah. finally kind of COVID forced that. And then we started the YouTube channel, which I was really passionate about. And April was really passionate about and it took off. But I think now with this last journey that I kind of got brought through, um, it's made me want to try to do something on a bigger scale to help more people that are a little bit more desperate mm -hmm. and, need more help you know like yeah. it's awesome i think that mountain biking and having an outlet is very important and it's yeah. probably one of the most important things but um yeah people that are just really struggling and don't have any way out and are like you know the the people that are killing themselves all the time and they're part of the group like you have conversations with them and then a week later they're gone and it's it's hard to do uh i don't know a short review on something after getting a bunch of suicide notes or messages yeah, yeah. like that yeah it's just like here check out this new sealant <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, so that's where that's where i'm struggling right now a little bit but it's okay i think it'll get better and it'll pass and that's why this year like we did our road, big road trip and we wanted to get out and just kind of be outside again but now yeah. that we've got that out of our system i want to just do really functional content that just helps people a lot and just get through the next this rest of the year with just really helpful videos and see what yeah what happens and yeah. yeah, I um, I just don't want to quit. I like being part of the this like community, and I also like feel like like one of these days, maybe it all just comes together, you know. Yeah. And like I, I have this like uh, fortune cookie up in my office. It says something about like something to the effect of the person who quit doesn't know that they were a day away from being successful yeah you know there's I mean? a there's a meme where a guy is you know going through a tunnel and then right. it's the other side of the tunnel it's like right there <laughs> and yeah he was just he quit like you know a few inches before he got through so right but then there's the also part. a lot of people that just grind and grind and grind and grind and grind and never know when to say all right i need to take a break and yeah it's it's a hard balance that's why so many people you know they have a what do they say? If self-help books really worked, there'd be one of them. Right. Or, right you know, so it's right. like, but, uh, yeah, don't feel, don't feel too bad. Cause I think all of us, I can't say all of us, but a lot of us go through a similar struggle Yeah, and it's just, uh, it's a roller coaster every week. I feel like by Friday, you just spent all this time working on this project or, or whenever you post, whatever your day yeah. is that you post yeah, and, yeah. and then you post it. And then it's kind of like you had the baby. And then you bring the bit, you know, it's done. And you're like, okay, I'm decompressing. It's like, all right, time to make a new one this week. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting, but it's fun. I, it's a good process. 
Yeah, I think it would be easier for me if I if it was actually my only like thing that I was doing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This is like a hundred percent a side gig, so I can't be as all in as I would like to be. You know what I mean? So I think that's probably part of it. But at the what end, what would day, it take you to make the jump? A lot of money. That like that's the, 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 the real God honest truth, you know, cause like, you have too many, too much overhead or responsibilities. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could sell my house and all my stuff and like, <laughs> Just go live you know what in. I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, I, I could totally make it happen if I really wanted to, like if that really was a hundred percent my goal, but like, I also like the level of, you know, income that I have and like what I can do with my life. You know what I mean? And, yeah. um, so I don't really like it's really like it doesn't seem like it's feasible for me to quit doing YouTube anytime soon or, you know, quit my job and do YouTube anytime soon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'd have to get some like I'd have to turn a, a hell of a corner on on how my, my stuff is going. But on the other hand, like. I don't know, man, you know, like I, I go all over the place with this emotionally, and I think I, I think it's because I don't really like I said earlier, I don't really know what I what I really want. But what I do want is like to keep building this community and keep seeing where it goes. And I don't feel like I think the other reason that I don't quit is because I don't feel like I'm bad at this. Like if if I was like like I, I feel like I'm a like I, I can I'm self-aware enough that I'd be able to look at my content and be like, dude, you're really not good at this. You know what I mean? And um I think I have something. It's just a matter of either putting more effort into it to, to make it more regular, you know what I mean? So it like meets that algorithm a little better or um, just accepting I'm okay with where I'm at. And, and sometimes that's what I do. Like I have this video that I was about that I've, I've been working on editing and I've been just going back and forth on, do I make this edit so that it's appealing to the world or do I make this edit? So it's appealing to my local people. And if What's I just make it for the local people, it'll probably just be fine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What would the difference be? Um, the story, like if it's just the local people would be like, Hey, these are the two best. These are my favorite downhill trails in Auburn. You know what I mean? And if it's the, like the global story, then it's like, you have to figure out a different way to do that. Like, is it like, is flow or chunk better, you know, or is like, is steep yeah. or smooth better, or, you know what I mean? Or like some kind of like angle, kind of like that, where it's a little bit more uh, widely consumable. You know or what you I mean? You can do something like, um, these are my two favorite downhill trails and the reason, or, you know, these are my two favorite trails and here's why. Yeah. And then that could be kind of a both like a, yeah. that could be a local one. And then people that don't even know the trails, they'd be like, Oh, I wonder what his reasons are for yeah. them being his favorite trails. And then you could yeah. talk about it, but that's a good point. I'll think about that. Yeah. There's always, there's always ways to kind of do all of it. And there yeah. is sometimes you make content that's very focused. Um, a good example of that was we did a video on how to use a balance trainer or one of the manual machine things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's only for people that have made one or plan on making one and just want to learn how to use it better. Right. So it's such a mm -hmm. small market, but the people that made one, they're like, Oh, I didn't think to take my chain off. Yeah. You know? like, oh, that makes a huge difference. That helped. And so 
it's just kind of interesting. That's a good point. I want to talk about that. I want to learn. I want a manual. What should I do to learn how to manual? Just send it. <laughs> I'm just, just kidding. Send it, just pull it up and go. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think that for manuals, it's there's a lot of. Should I learn how to opinions. wheelie first? Does it matter if I learn how to wheelie? They're first? so different. They're so different. I know matter. some people. I will say, most people that can manual can also wheelie. Yeah. I know a lot of people that can wheelie that cannot manual. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I hear like, you. Yeah, yeah. Because to do a manual, the biggest thing that people struggle with really is brake control uh-huh. and feathering the brake. And I think that even with wheeling, that's one thing a lot of people struggle with is learning how to feather the brake so that, you know, it's very rare that you pull up into wheelie and you're just locked into the perfect spot and just keep going. Right. It's yeah, always yeah, kind of yeah. like, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And the manual, you have the brake control and then you also have the pushing with your legs. So uh-huh. I think that's where a lot of people will say that the, the manual trainers or manual machines don't work because you don't get the feeling of pushing with your legs uh-huh. to push the bike forward and back. And you're kind uh-huh. of moving the, you're moving the rear axle behind your hip bone and then in front of your hip bone. So when it gets uh-huh. behind your hip bone, you lift. And then when you get in front of the hip bone, it drops the front uh-huh. end. So on a manual machine, it doesn't help you with that, but it does help a lot of people figure out the position and just get over the fear of the front wheel coming up. Cause I think uh-huh. a lot of people get scared. They don't get up high enough. Uh-huh. Um, if I were you and I was trying to learn how to manual, I would do two or three days a week. I would just go down to like a basketball court and just practice feathering the brake and just really lightly getting a feel for the brake and then pulling up and just grabbing the brake and dropping it back down. Cause mm-hmm. once you get over the fear of, Oh my God, I'm going to loop out. Like mm-hmm. it's very rare to loop out on manual unless something goes wrong with your brake. Mm-hmm. So if you get to the point where you have that big safety button, it's just like, boom, tap your brake and you're back down. Uh-huh. It, it helps a lot. And then it kind of opens up that groove in your brain. And then it just allows you to learn from there. Right but I feel, I feel like so many people don't practice with their brake control. And so they feel like they're just gambling every time. It's like roll the dice and hope you don't loop out, but it shouldn't yeah. feel that way <laughs> when you get it down, <laughs> when you get it down. Well, it's like this trick where you pull it up past 25% and then between 25% and 75%, you have all this room to wiggle and you can uh-huh. use your hips and everything to move. And then once you get to the 75% or 80% point, then you just tap the brake to bring it down because uh-huh. you don't want to get into the red zone. Yeah. So yeah. Red zone's bad. Yeah. But there's a big <laughs> green, there's a big green zone there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like um, there's some sections of the trail where I, I, I feel like, it's very playful when I see people doing a manual and I, I like envy that feeling of, of playfulness that they're having. <laughs> where That's do you look? Where huh? do you look when you manual? I don't really even try, dude. Like, honestly, what I do, <laughs> like at this point, it's like the most that I'm, I'm doing is like, Hey, here's a Creek. I'm going to yank my front tire up and <laughs> like roll my back tire through it so that like, I'm, I'm not getting muddy. And that's about as far as I get, you know? Yeah. So just a a couple quick tips to leave you with to think about is to do a manual, you need to get your hip socket past the rear axle. Mm -hmm. If you don't get your hip past the rear axle, it's, it's not, (laughs) you're not coming up. So you can either be really high front wheel and be closer to your handlebars, like closer to your center of your bike, or Uh you can be a low front wheel and then push your butt and hips really far back. I feel like that would be happy. Like I would be happier there. Happier there. Yeah. 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 So that, that's one of those things where 
you're going to have to really practice getting far enough back. And a lot of times I'll see people where they're like, I want to learn how to manual. And I feel like I just can't get the wheel up and then we'll film them. And they're uh, like moving four inches, <laughs> you know, yeah. like they're not actually shifting their weight for enough, far enough I back. I can film myself and see what happens. Yeah. So I would say go to a basketball court, do break session for like 10 or 15 minutes. Just practice stopping with just the rear brake and get a feel for it to where it's second nature and then do some pull-ups and just see what it feels like and grab the brake and set it back down and film yourself from the side and just try to get your hip socket past the axle. Yeah. And at the, at that point, then it's just a matter of repetition until you get kind of locked into that balance zone. I feel like on a wheelie, a wheelie, you can basically have almost no, not almost no, but on a wheelie, you don't have to have as much balance coordination. You just have to have really good brake control. Yeah. And really good kind of uh, pedal tension control. So yeah. it's not so much, you're not wiggling your body to balance. It's more of just like, I'm pedaling and I'm braking or I'm not braking. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I can wheelie for like 10 feet. That's so. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. I remember the day that it clicked for me finally when I was younger. I was like 14 maybe or something. And I'd been practicing and riding to school every day, you know, doing little wheelies here and there. And then one day I was just counting the parking spaces in the condo area we lived in. Yeah. And I just went for like, I would get two spaces, which is about 10 feet. And then one day I like went for three. And I got to three and then I just like kept going. And I was like, what the, you know, like I yeah. just clicked. And then from, from two to three, and then it was like three to infinity. So once yeah, you get yeah. it, you get it. But that's rad, man. It's just one of those things that I've never really, I don't really put time into, you know what I mean? And, and I, and I'd like to, you know, but yeah, as with my, everything in my life, it's like, <laughs> I got a billion things that I want to do and I'm trying to like somehow juggle them all. Yeah. Like, I think that one thing. You have to be really careful of that. I, I definitely learned a lot this past year. Is the number one priority is health first. Yeah. Health is first. No matter what, no matter what you have to do, get it done, and then everything else follows. And yeah, it's. I mean, I'm guilty of it too. But so often, you cram, 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 and then you don't leave any time to like go for a ride or or you know get out or I don't know. It's just yeah. tough. Even yesterday, I knew I was gonna have to edit for almost the whole day. And I still went out for just a quick ride in the morning just to get yeah. outside and do it. But I've ridden every day for the last four weeks. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. My legs are constantly in a state of go screw yourself, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> so um, some days are worse than others, but uh, I, I feel like I got my mindset right again for what I was doing like, health wise. So I'm happy about that. And we'll see how it goes. I am. Um, Tomorrow is a day that I've been wait. I, I haven't weighed myself in a month to see like what I can do as part of the video that I'm making. So um, I'm excited to see what happens tomorrow. It could be, it could go good. It could go bad, but either way, I'm going to catch it on camera. So we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, that, that'll, that video will probably, I'll probably end up editing that one super quick because I'm kind of excited about it, you know? Yeah. Try to find projects that you're, really excited about because it's it's hard to edit things that you're not passionate about because it feels like a waste of time but yeah. if you can figure out ways to make those projects fun or passionate about then yeah i don't know like i'm, I'm curious to see place, man so like i'm like, curious to see why those two trails are your favorite trails yeah 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 it's just my favorite trails in that spot they're not my favorite trails everywhere <laughs> just like my favorite trails in auburn you know 
but uh yeah no that's a good it it'll be fun so anyways have you done anything um like totally on bike relate like unbike related lately that's like got your attention uh not really i'm yeah. pretty boring yeah i've just yeah. been yeah every day basically is wake up uh try to do some form of activity and then go to hyperbaric for a couple hours it's like yeah. two hours of sessions and then uh yeah then come home and then work on stuff but i'm just trying to get back to the point where i can do activities a little bit more strenuously for multiple days and then yeah once we get to that point then i'll be stoked and just kind of keep pushing but my heart just it, um like i can't sleep on my left side now because my heart the heartbeat is so different like i just it keeps me awake all night when i sleep oh, on my left side i don't know yeah, what's yeah. different about it now but it's just like throbbing all the time and so it's just i have to be careful still yeah. but i'm hoping to go do something and that road trip that we went on was really cool just to go to some museums and just yeah. be out like yeah i'm well, there's lots of other lucky. things that you can do other than ride bikes that that'll be that are fun. Like, for example, I forgot that uh, like a year or two ago, I decided I want to learn how to do a Rubik's Cube because I felt like I should do that <laughs> before I die. And then I used to have it sitting up here on the shelf. And one day one of my buddies was in here. And he's like, oh, dude, you can do that. And I was like, yeah, I picked it up and I realized I completely forgot how to do it. <laughs> so like in the last two weeks, I've been relearning how to do it again. So that's been fun. I want to try to get it done under a minute. So. Before I was doing it in like a minute 30. So I want to try to do it that that fast. And then I also decided to learn how to um, do 3D printing. So that's been super like eating up all my time. So that's cool. I think that would be something that I'm I really want to try to pursue and learn a little bit more is how to manufacture things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah. Because there's basically two two states that you're in throughout life. You're either a consumer or a producer. Yeah. And so many of us just fall into that chronic consumer. Yeah. And, you know, the only thing I've ever done that's really producing anything is is video content, like educational yeah. video content. But I would love to learn how to produce more things. And I just like create. I, I didn't realize how much of a creative person I am. And I think that's really what it comes down to. Like when I was yeah. younger, I was super into music. Like I still like music a lot. Like I'm creating this video content. I am like with the the 3d printer for example like i'm just creating things like i wanted a cap for my dc pump because my dc pump would always rebel my frame so i made one you know like that's, that's cool. rad you know <laughs> like or like i got a cricket a while ago because i wanted them to make stickers and t-shirts you know it's just like i and uh i was having this conversation with the lady the other night and she like she's like you're yeah you're super crafty and i was like i'm not crafty and then she's like dude you have a cricket you have a 3d printer you have you make your own t-shirts you do she's like you are crafty like i'm like shit i am <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, funny yeah yeah well, the that's things cool. you learn about yourself through somebody else's lens right <laughs> yeah for sure i know it's it's easy to be self-deprecating and yeah. i think sometimes um other people are able to see your strengths a little bit more than you are at least yeah. that's how I feel a lot of times like yeah. that. Yeah. Especially lately. It's just been hard. I feel pretty beat down over everything yeah. the past year. So I feel like I'm trying to like just build back up and yeah, definitely developed a lot of weird social anxiety. So that's been interesting too, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's getting happen. better. Yeah. Well, dude, I'm going to tell you this much, man. I uh, have 
enjoyed your company from the first time I met you buying a bike from you. <laughs> so you're, you're a really rad guy, dude. And it comes out in your, the way that you speak to people and it comes out in your videos, both you and April are killing it on there. I, I really appreciate like who you are as a person. Like when Thank somebody you. says Kyle Warner to me, I'm like, that guy is like super down to earth super like nice guy like one of those like if there's five people in your life that you know like, <laughs> deserve to be like labeled as like a really genuine good person you're on that list dude thank so, you so like like uh definitely like don't beat yourself up too much man it's yeah it's hard man it's, and... i think that's one thing i've learned though for sure is um yeah just learning to have more confidence i guess in yourself or who you yeah. are because i guess the reason I've always just tried to be nice to other people is, I mean, I know what it feels like to be on the opposite end of that. And yeah. especially growing up pretty rough, it's like, yeah, dude, someone can, if you're having a really, really bad day, someone yeah. just opening the door or saying, Hey, or, you know, Oh, excuse me in the grocery store. Like, Oh, how's it going? That yeah. kind of stuff can make your whole day. So I, I know what it feels like. And I've always tried to just help people. And um, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, it's been hard to get, judged without maybe being heard sometimes you know because i think yeah. especially with all the stuff that i went through this past year it's just um a lot of people that were really attacking me maybe didn't actually listen to what i was saying and yeah. so it's that's going to happen no matter what but i just want to get back to the life we had before as much yeah. as we can and yeah well this is what i say to the people that don't listen to what you're saying fuck them so. <laughs> yeah <I appreciate laughs> like honestly man this. It's it, not, it, it's not worth wasting your breath on because you're never yeah. going to change those people's, those people's opinions or their, their impression of you or whatever. Like, so yeah. reach, reach to the people that like, that are, that are on your team, man. That's all that matters. Right. So, yeah, for sure. No, thanks well, for this. Again, and yeah, dude, I, <laughs> I, I had a great time chatting with you as usual. Um, can't wait till the next time we we actually get to hang out together and maybe if you're driving through northern california next time you'll actually stop my house i can show you some of my trails around here yeah i would love to come up and ride auburn my friend zach just moved there as a highway patrol so yeah if you get a speeding yeah. ticket let me know i'll try to yeah, help yeah, you yeah. <laughs> we got some other stuff that's not on the map that's a lot of fun too so i'm sure uh, as your health comes comes back and uh it'll, it'll be fun to get get you down here and ride some of that stuff so either yeah. way well, thanks cool. for everything, man. It was a good time. Good time chatting. It's like I, oh, I it's like I forgot how to do a podcast, man. I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing anymore. But um, the one thing that I do want to say to everybody out there, if you haven't gone and check out Kyle and April's channel, go check it out. There's links and show more. Follow him on the social. Follow me on the social. That would be rad. Those of you guys that are really willing to see, like, like help make this podcast like turn a corner and just blow up, go over to Apple and write a five-star review. And then uh, right after that, uh, join Patreon and set your monthly Patreon pledge to like $250 or something like that. But if you can only afford a dollar, that's rad too, because that works out for all of us. And you get access to some of the coupons that I have on there with some of the, the brands that I've worked out deals with. So you can save some money for a buck. For a buck, you can save like 20% on Project 321 Hubs or... 20% on Kushkor or a bunch of other stuff. There's a bunch of stuff on there. It's worth a dollar. And so if you have five bucks, you get a st sticker pack. I'll write you a letter, handwritten letter. Imagine that. You People don't even do that anymore. 
So anyways, I appreciate everybody for listening. I'm sorry I've been gone for a while. I'm going to do the best I can to have somebody else on here next Sunday. We'll see how that plays out. But until then, remember one thing. If there's only one thing you remember, it only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one.